You're listening to the Assembly of Yahweh Sermon Podcast, recorded in Cisco, Texas. For more information, please visit hallelujah.org. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning. Our text today has come from the 23rd Psalm. This is a psalm of uh, encouragement and hope and promise. You might already know this, but this is the most read psalm of all time. And uh, one of the more favored, obviously. It also is a psalm of comfort in time of sorrow or grief. Many times have found solace and uh, comfort in this psalm. So I think I will read the psalm to begin with. And it begins, Yahweh is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of Yahweh forever. So it's quite easy to see why that's a, that's a favorite. And uh, it starts out, Yahweh is my shepherd, I shall not want. Psalm 78 and 52 says, Then he led forth his people like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. He led them in safety so that they were not afraid. Psalms 95. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before Yahweh, our maker, for he is our Elohim, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Oh, that today you would listen to his voice. Again, in Psalms 100 and verse 3. Know that Yahweh is El. It is he that made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Isaiah 40 and 11 says, He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and he will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. I'd like to turn also to Jeremiah 23 and verse 1. It says, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says Yahweh. Therefore, thus says Yahweh, the Elohim of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people. You have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil doings, says Yahweh. Then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold. And they shall be fruitful and multiply, and I will set shepherds over them who will care for them. And they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall any be missing, says Yahweh. Behold, the days are coming, says Yahweh, when I will rise up, raise up for David a righteous branch. And he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. 
This is the name by which he will be called. Yahweh is our righteousness. You know, that speaks of a future time, even from, from when he was talking. And I think that most of this will be fulfilled at the end of the age, during the thousand-year reign. This speaks of Yahshua here, I believe. This is the righteous shepherd. There's many kinds of shepherds. You know, there's, it's like in any profession. Some people are very good at what they do. Others, not so much. And so Yahweh was talking to some of the people he didn't think much of. And uh, he says, woe to you, shepherds. Then he went on to say that the days are coming. Then I will raise up for David a righteous branch. And I think that that speaks of the time when Yeshua will be the ruler in the thousand-year reign on this earth. Also in uh, Jeremiah 33, and verse 14. Behold, the days are coming, says Yahweh, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring forth for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called, Yahweh is our righteousness. Turn to John chapter 10 and verse 1. We'll read 1 through 18 here. You know, many places Yeshua is called the son of David. He's descended from the lineage of David. And so we find here, he begins to describe who is, what a good shepherd looks like, who a good shepherd is. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Now again, he's speaking in an analogy of a herder or a sheepman that he has this flock of sheep. And I've never owned sheep, but I've read considerable about sheep in this kind of uh, setting. And uh, I've been told that, and where I've read, that the sheep actually do begin to learn the person's, you know, your habits and your voice. And that they won't act right if somebody else besides them is doing the herding unless they get used to them obviously but to begin with the herder that's been doing them they know his voice and so they will follow him without reserve and they trust him so i think that's the analogy that he's drawing here so Yahshua again said to them truly truly i said to you i am the door of the sheep all who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not heed them. Very possibly he was speaking of some of those that we just read about in Jeremiah where Yahweh was blaspheming them for things that they had done. Or blasting them, maybe would be a better word, for the things that they had not done for his sheep. And he goes on to say, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 
He who is a hireling and not a shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hireling and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. As the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold, I must bring them also, bring them also, and they will heed my voice. So there shall be one flock and one shepherd. I believe there in this verse he's bringing in the Gentile nations also and saying that not only will the, the sheep of Judah and Israel be recognized through Yahshua's blood, he has grafted the other nations into the commonwealth and the promises were given to Israel and to Judah. And so I think that's what he's speaking of here when he said there are other sheep that are not of this fold, and I will bring them in also. For this reason, the Father loves me because I laid down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This charge I have received from my Father. And so, you know, we understand that Yahweh put Yeshua into a position of leadership. And as I said, that there's many different shepherds spoken of in the Bible. And uh, Yahweh speaks of himself as a shepherd. He also... Yahshua speaks of himself as a shepherd. And it seemed that the, the priest and the, and the Pharisees and some of those people were supposed to be shepherds, but they were failing miserably at their job, as we read there in Jeremiah. Part of that we read there says, I shall not want. You might be able to say, or I shall not be in need. And uh, Matthew 6 and 9 says, For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Matthew 6 and 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be yours as well. And he was, uh, he had just got through telling these people, he said, I know that you need your daily things that you have each and every day. I know those are things that you need. But then he went on to say what I just quoted there, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be yours as well. And so he's promised us that he will give us the blessings that we need each day if we will follow and seek after the coming kingdom. You know, when it says, I shall not want, it's, that's a powerful statement of conviction that I will not have needs if I allow Yahweh to be my shepherd. And uh, you, can have, you can have it all, so to speak, but it may only be your needs but it's also a promise that he, that he made to us. And so I think by all means we should be willing to accept the promise that he, just, that he made to us, that Yahshua made. Psalms 46 and 1 says, Yahweh is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Psalm 72 and 12, Yahweh will deliver the needy who cry out and the afflicted who have no one to help. I read of a man that uh, had a severe sickness, and uh, he actually got over it, but he had a uh, severe sickness, and he thought for about a year's length of time that he would not be able to live much longer. He expected to die. 
And uh, he began to read the 23rd Psalm, and he would read over and over the part that I shall not want. He said when he started out, he didn't believe that at first, but the longer it went on, and as he began to recover, he began to cherish and treasure that part of the psalm that said, you shall not want or you shall not be in need. He goes on to say, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Of course, we know that sheep need green pasturage on which to eat. So on some level, this line could mean that Yahweh will provide all that we need, our food and our other needs. In fact, Psalm 111 verse 5 says, Yahweh provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. And I've read quite a bit of the Bible, I think. I never noticed that it said that he would provide food for those. And I knew that he, you know, he said he looked after the birds and, the, and how much more value you and those things. But I never noticed that he put it very plainly. Yahweh provides food for those who fear him. Jeremiah 15 and 15 says, You understand, O Yahweh, remember me and care for me. You know, sometimes we, we go through a certain something in our life that we feel like nobody else understands. We, we really don't believe anybody could be exactly in our shoes. And so what he's saying here is that you understand, O Yahweh, remember me and care for me. And I think that's a very intimate thought that Yahweh does understand everything that we need and everything that we are missing. And so we can allow him to enter our life and be a part of our life and be a help to us. You know, Jeremiah also, he says of his people, I have loved you with an everlasting love. We need that. We need him to love us with an everlasting love. In this thing, he maketh me lie down in green pastures. You notice it says he maketh me lie down. He gives us rest. The Sabbath, the feast days, you know, each night's rest even. Psalms 4 and 8 says, I will lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, O Yahweh, make me dwell in safety. And Daniel 12 and 2 even speaks of another type of sleep. Those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life. So even in death, we are safe in the assurance that our Heavenly Father still is caring for us. And He will not forget us. He will remember us and set a time for that resurrection to happen. He has not forgotten us. You know, Yeshua, He said in Matthew 11, verse 28, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, we always have burdens. Uh, Everybody that you meet, you don't have to even ask them. You just should know this. They have a burden. They have something in their life that they are bothered by or that they are stressed about or that they are hoping to overcome or or something that is robbing them of the joy of life. Some of our problems steal their peace of mind and our hope. You know, some people have difficult problems, a terrible time in their life, and they give up on Yahweh. You know, I've talked with people that say, well... I just decided if he didn't care about me any more than to give me this and this and this, 
Well, I'm not going to care about him. To me, that seemed like an odd way to approach it. Carrie Tinboom, she was the one that during the World War II, she was trying to rescue Jewish children and families. She was in Holland, and uh, she actually was put in prison for rescuing Jewish people. But she said, when the train goes through a tunnel and the world gets dark, do you jump out? Of course not. You sit still and trust the engineers to get you through. And so, obviously, the take from that would be, why wouldn't we give our Heavenly Father the same thought, the same privilege? When times are bad, when you're going through that dark tunnel, you need Him more than ever. So when you're disappointed, don't panic, don't jump out, don't give up, just be patient. And remember, Yahweh is still in control. It's sometimes easy to forget that, he, that when we see the things happening in our world, the things that happen on a daily basis in our world, it's, it's sometimes we forget that Yahweh is still in control. We're not puppets, and he allows all the people to have an opinion of their own. Sometimes it does not correlate with Yahweh's thoughts and what he would like for us to do. But he's still in control. He's not wringing his hands over what's occurring. He has confidence in what his plan will be. The still waters of this is the part that comes next. That makes me think of peace and tranquility. I've also read that sheep like to drink from still water rather than moving water. I personally don't know if this is true, but I just, I've read this and that's what I've been told. That is their preference. It's not that they can't drink from any other thing, but they would rather drink from a pond or a, something that is still. So that's why that this is in the psalm, because this was a good shepherd and he was doing good things for the sheep. He goes on to say that he restores my soul. Do you notice that when we read there in John chapter 10 that Yahshua said he would restore our soul? Since Yeshua came to do the duty and the calling of our Heavenly Father, well, it seems likely that they would say the same thing. You know, the town here in Cisco, uh, I grew up here, and I watched it kind of decay, and it's probably a 130 to 140-year-old town. And I watched it as I, you know, grew up. I wasn't necessarily, you know, just fixated on this, but I did notice that buildings, you know, they went through a time when the era in the 80s and 90s that seemed like everything kind of was, you know, people moved out of a lot of vacant buildings. And some of the buildings were boarded up, some they even tore down, and then some needed a roof. And there's some companies that make a business of this, is going in restoring old masonry buildings and uh, making them new again, something that's functioning and sometimes very beautiful buildings. Many times the masonry was still really nice masonry once it was cleaned up and rejuvenated. So restoring and uh, repointing the joints, bringing them back to their former beauty. Something I would point out is Yahweh can do the same for us and he can restore my soul, he can restore your soul, he can restore all of us. And we live in a world of pain and trouble and heartache where storms of life still cause destruction. But as Jeremiah records, this Jeremiah 29 and 11, he has plans to give you a hope and a future. Matthew 
shortly before his ascension in the 28th chapter, verse 20, Messiah said, I am with you always to the very end of the age. We should get encouragement from that. In fact, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 11 says, Encourage one another and build each other up just as you are doing. There in the town of Thessalonica, these people were encouraging one another. And Paul recognized that and he encouraged them to continue in what they had began and uh, to continue to encourage each other. And I've noticed that that is one of the, one of the things that sometimes we miss most in a society is encouraging, telling, giving somebody a kind word or a thoughtful comment on something that they did well so that they can be encouraged and then hopefully they will pass that along as well to someone else. Some years ago, Pepper Rogers, he was the head coach of the UCLA football team and they were having a really bad season and he was quite upset about that. And he didn't think his wife was encouraging him or giving him enough encouragement. He said, my dog is my best friend. And I told my wife that a man needs at least two friends. And so she told him, just go get you another dog. (laughs) So maybe she was not real good at encouraging. I don't know. As we go forward, it says, he leads me in the path of righteousness. You know, sheep are not the smartest, and they are like us in many ways. They're not always good at picking the right path. Now, they have no natural defense. Have you ever thought about sheep? They have no claws, no horns or fangs. They're somewhat helpless. So they need a shepherd. They need someone to tell them which way to go, to protect them, and to lead them on their paths of righteousness. We are the same way. We need Yahweh to lead us. We need Yeshua to lead us in the paths of righteousness. And you know, Yahweh through his plan of salvation has given us the ability to be forgiven of our sins so that we can walk on paths of righteousness. You know, sometimes we, th- we think of ourselves as too polluted and too soiled to ever be able to walk on what you would call a path of righteousness. But that's something that Yahweh doesn't give up on us as easy as we give up on ourselves many times. And, you know, Isaiah 53 and 6 said, We all have wandered away like sheep. Each of us has gone his own way. You know, we tend to be swept away by the sins of this world, things that we should have avoided. The good news is that he has a plan of salvation so that we do not have to be in that state, that we can be changed and be brought back into relationship with Yahweh through his son, Yahshua, through the blood of his son. I'd like to turn to the 119th Psalm. We'll begin with verse 11 and read through 19. This is another way that we can understand where the paths of righteousness lie, and that is by going to the book. Uh, You know, Yahweh said that There's no other nation, speaking to his people, he said there is no other nation that has such good and righteous laws than you have. And so we're going to read from the 119th Psalm some of the thoughts about this very Torah that this man had great appreciation for. I have laid up thy word in my heart 
that I might not sin against thee. Blessed be thou, Yahweh. Teach me thy statutes. With thy lips I declare all the ordinances of thy mouth. In the way of thy testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on thy precepts and fix my eyes on thy ways. I will delight in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live and observe thy word. This is a really particularly beautiful next line in verse 18. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. I am a sojourner on earth. Hide not thy commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for thy ordinances at all times. Verse 23, even though princes set plotting against me, thy servant will meditate on thy statutes. My testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. You know, a counselor is someone who helps you work through a problem, work through a situation in your life. And so what he says is that is a count they can be a counselor to you you can read them and understand which way to go for his name's sake that's the next line in the psalm and so uh, just like a, a father teaches his children so that they will not dishonor the family name well we also should not dishonor our heavenly father's name you know that is one of the things that he I think takes very seriously is that uh, we should honor and reverence the name of Yahweh by our praise to him and by the way that we live. You know, if we, if we say all the right things and then do all the wrong things, it means absolutely nothing. And so for his name's sake, you know, that's one of the commandments, I think, is that the first three commandments, maybe four even, speaks of the fact that we are to honor his name, take care of his name, be careful that we do not say something or do something that would be contrary to his name. If we are the servants of Yahweh, then we, by all means, have to carry a standard high enough that people would recognize who you are and, and that you are a carrier of his name and not just some person out there that just knows his name but really could care less and lives however they want to. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You know, like it or not, we're all getting older. And, uh, and sometimes we laugh about it and try to joke about it, but at the end, we, there's something that we must face. You know, this is a dangerous world. No one gets out of it alive. And so we have to be able to recognize that and realize that we're headed for destruction. And so we need somebody to reconstruct us at some point in time in the future so that this life is not just a pointless adventure in time. You know, our whole life, we walk in the shadow of death. You know, we can die at any time. I've found some kind of humorous uh, gravestone depictions one of them was on a gravestone that said, I expected this, but not just yet. And another one said, I told you I was sick. <laughs> In upstate New York, uh, there is a gravestone with, with a name and one word. And it says, forgiven. And there's no dates, no epithet, and no other message. And, but that is a great message 
if it is, you know, if it's written on our life, if we've asked for that, and we and then we have gone forward with our with our walk. In 1846, John Quincy Adams suffered a stroke, and although he returned to Congress the next year, his health was clearly failing. Daniel Webster described his last meeting with Adams. When Adams was asked about his health, he replied, I inhabit a weak, frail, decayed tenement, battered by the winds and broken into by the storms, and from what I can tell, the landlord does not intend to repair it. So he was speaking of his battered and bruised body that uh, seemed like that you know, his Elohim was not going to repair, at least not in this life. In 1951, on August the 24th, a United Airlines plane crashed, killing 50 people on the hills above Oakland, California. And in the wreckage, uh, there was, they found a book that was entitled, From Here to Eternity. And those people probably were not thinking about you know, dying on that particular day. They got on an airplane. They were going from Oakland to L.A., which is not a very long flight. So if they found this book, From Here to Eternity, someone was reading that book probably. It brings up a menagerie of questions. Were they ready for eternity? And I hope that they were. I hope all 50 people were. But that's the same thing that can happen to any of us. You know, as I said, we can die at any time. So we have to understand that we can't just put off being righteous in that righteous path that we read about earlier. Because you may not have a hundred years like the lady in Abilene that I watched the other day. A hundred and two years she was. And in Abilene, Texas, they had her on the news the other night. There used to be a website called The Death Clock. It was called www.deathclock.org. And that would calculate how much time you have before you die. The user is asked to fill in his birth date, his current health status, his body weight and his height, typical mood, emotional mood, and uh, et cetera. I had uh, several questions there. After in hitting all the data, you'd push submit. And it gives you an estimate date that you're going to die. And, you know, how many years, months, weeks, days, hours you have left to cherish. And this seems a little bit morbid, maybe, but it might be good for us to think about it sometime that way. How much time do we have? Or do we expect to have? There's no guarantees even of that. But I do notice that many people are in complete denial about their mortality. There was a radio preacher sometime in the past that asked his listeners to send in requests for sermon topics. And he said he was surprised that about 70% of them wanted to know about life after death and what would happen after this life. And so I think that we have always been kind of fascinated by that. I'm greatly fascinated by the fact that I believe there's a resurrection and there is going to be a lot more after this if I can sum up the righteous path and walk that close enough with Yahweh's forgiving me for the things that I've done wrong so that I could be in that kingdom and see the things that only the resurrected righteous will see. You know, I'm sometimes asked to speak at funerals. And mostly I know what they want me to say. They want me to, they want to hear what Yahweh says about death. 
and what is coming after that. They want to know about life hereafter. And they don't want the words of any philosopher or research scientist. They want to know what Yahweh and Yahshua have said about it. So it's good to go to funerals, I find, because no matter how much you dread going, if you go, you will be brought up short by the fact that you have mortality on your side. And you will not live forever, and so you might need to prepare yourself better than you have prepared in the past. One more grave epithet is uh, in English graveyard, I have sinned, I have repented, I have trusted, I have loved, I rest, I shall rise, and then I shall reign. And I hope that we can all be that confident, and uh, I hope that we can actually have that happen in our life and in our death. You know, when Yahshua had already seen his last sunset, it was the night of Passover, just after the meal, he spoke to his disciples and said, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in Yahweh. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. I would not tell you this if it were not true. I am going there to prepare a place for you. After I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you. Some versions say, I will come again to be with me so that you may be where I am. In essence, he's saying, trust me with your death. And don't be troubled. Trust me. I'm going to prepare a place for you and I. Psalm 56 and 3 says, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in Yahweh. We get down to the part of the psalm where it says, I will fear no evil. Fear ruins our peace and it stops us from attaining any goal that we might have. And so even though we face many dangers and evil dangers, we should fear no evil. You know, as Joshua the son of Nun said, as for me and my house, we will serve Yahweh. You know, when I was young, I knew a couple that did not have children on purpose not that they disliked children, they just thought that the end time was coming. And so they decided not to have any children. Now that they're old and facing old age with no children to help, I'm wondering if they still are thinking that way. And I wish that they'd had enough faith to have said, I shall fear no evil. And of course, it's easy to point at someone else, and I understand that. But we must be very careful that we don't fear all kind of things that we should not fear. Romans chapter 8 and 37 gives me great encouragement. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death... I want you to pay special attention to what all he names here because he names a, a litany of things here that covers pretty much everything. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depths, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of Yahweh in Yahshua Messiah, our Redeemer. And so 
when people come to me and tell me that they've, they're, they're afraid of demons and all this kind of thing, well, I, I'd like to point this out to them, that we are not to be, uh, we are not to be timid people and uh, fear everything that we can dream up or what the TV analysts can dream up. And so you should mark that in your Bible. And when you have, remember that Yahweh has done his part. We still have to do ours. First Peter 5 and 7, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. You know, you can trust him is what he's saying. He cares about you. So cast your burdens and your anxieties on him. Hebrews 13 and 5 said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hence we can say, Yahweh is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? In Genesis 28 and 15, Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. That was the promise that he made to, I believe it was Jacob. I'm forgetting now which one it was. But behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. And, you know, we've been grafted into that line that has been blessed. And so we have that same promise given to us that they were given. Yahweh, you made the heavens and the earth and the mountains and the sea. But yes, yes, you're with me. That was a little poem that someone wrote. (laughs) Deuteronomy 4 and 7 says, What great nation has an Elohim as near to them as Yahweh is near to us? Paul says in Acts 17 and 27, He is not far from each one of us. So remember that he's not far from any of us. I mean, sometimes we put him at a distance, but remember that he don't put us at a distance. Again, he does his part. You know, if Yahweh is with us, and we may be facing hardships and distress and and times of, of huge trouble in our life, but remember that we are not facing these things alone. He is with us. If we have, you know, debt or health problems or relationship problems or worry, stress of whatever variety, even maybe we're facing death, but we aren't facing death alone. We aren't facing any of these problems alone. Again, we need to encourage each other and we need to be encouraging. We need to be encouraging because it's so easy to be negative. I once read that it takes seven positive words to overcome one negative word. Now, I don't know if that was a scientific study or not, but it does seem like that negativity goes much further than any time that we try to lift someone up. So I would like for y'all to do an exercise for me here. Can you say, I am not alone? Y'all didn't seem very convinced. But that is the truth. We are not alone. I find great comfort in knowing that in the great universe and the world that we call home, our earth, that we are not alone. And he has loved us with an everlasting love. John 3.16 says, For Yahweh so loved the world, speaking of the people in the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And, you know, this is a life of just a test. We're trying to be in that next kingdom, the next world that has everlasting life attached to it. 